Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Don't get lost in the vast expanse of the internet. Try Ventoff SEO Manager instead, the Shopify app that store owners use to optimize their search engine results. Ventoff SEO Manager is your SEO toolkit. You'll be king of the hill, top of the heap, cream of the crop, so why settle for page 10? Simply put, SEO Manager allows you to change the way search engines see and list your store. Better search rankings means more customers, which means more money for you. Try Ventoff SEO today and get found. Just search SEO Manager in the Shopify App Store to get started. Are there any uh, like whistles or like sound effects or like does, is this is this one of those uh, one of those silly sound podcasts? I d- look, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Someone take those buttons away from him. Because <laughs> you've got this same like soundboard roadcaster setup, don't you? Yeah, I've got the class A servo thing. But you that- you don't abuse yours like me. No, I just like the buttons. They're colorful. <laughs> And and for whatever reason, there's two color schemes. It's either rainbow or Christmas, and so I keep it rainbow. Let's wait. Hold on. I have an intro to record. I don't even know what the my buttons do. Did Ooh. that make a noise? It did. It I can't like... hear it, so enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> this is this going off the rails fast. I haven't even got to the intro. Here we go. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. Today we have a special guest, Dan Becker a.k.a. Disney Dan. Yes, Disney Dan is here, a successful YouTuber and content creator who's built a strong personal brand, you know, with a name like that, through compelling storytelling and engaging social media content. It's a lot of YouTube. We're talking YouTube today. But it's niche, as you may have guessed. He's a Disney vlogger, hence the name Disney Dan. And I like Disney Dan, and then he reviews dishwashers. So why would I bring a vlogger on this show about e-commerce? Well, two reasons. People buy for people, not brands. You know this. I've said it a hundred times on the show. And Dan has built a strong personal brand here. We're going to pick his brain about it. And content marketing is a fundamentally powerful skill for e-com entrepreneurs. You don't want to spend more money on Facebook ads trying to figure things out. You know you need to engage in SEO. You need to master content marketing as one of those skills. Or hire it out. You know, whatever works. So today we are going to discuss with Dan his journey as a creator tips for crafting great content, because that, that's all the man knows, and strategies for building an authentic personal brand that resonates with your audience. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Jack Nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Dan, welcome. Just uh, for clarification, I don't like the phrase vlogger, D- Disney vlogger for me. I'm more of a Disney, uh, I'm more of a theme park comedian uh, 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 over a vlogger, because I'm not actually like, I don't like, I like the idea of holding a camera pointed at my own face while I talk repulses me. Like, I just can't <laughs> like, I just like, I, I don't have whatever. And no offense to any vloggers out there who have that like shameless ability to just like yell into their own phone for other people to hear. But like, I like, and I do that. I just do it differently, but not vlogging. I just know vlogging is just not my, uh, it's just not my uh, cup of tea. I'm more of a lunatic. I'm just a theme park lunatic. Well, actually, that brings up an, an interesting point. You said, hey, I, I can't be standing around with yelling into a phone. And I've heard other people say similar things. There is a natural resistance to creating face-to-camera content, myself included. It's just a weird thing to do to have an animated conversation with your phone. With yourself, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's important, What's and it's crazy because here we are, we're, we're on this, we're, we're talking about content strategies and whatnot. It's important that the audience feel like they are talking to you, uh, you know, like that, that, and that goes all the way back to just plain old radio. You don't be like, hey, what's going on, you guys? We're like, hey, what's going on? Because you you don't want the rate, like you don't want to be listening to something that sounds like you're talking to a crowd when like you're having an intimate conversation with somebody, they're sitting on the toilet, they're sitting in their living room, they're riding the bus or driving, whatever is going on, they're, they're, they're engaged one-to-one with you and your content. And so, um, 
uh, I don't know what the point I was making, but uh, to say that um, I don't know <laughs> oh, to make people feel like you're talking to them. That is something that I try very hard to do. So you're creating one to many content, but you want to treat it like it's one on one. Right. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, and that just goes that I feel like that's just the oldest rule in the content book. So I want the Dan Media Empire by the numbers. Like wh how much content are you producing? What's our subscriber count here? I'm uh, I'm close to 300,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, I have Holy about 50,000 50, on TikTok, 20 on Instagram, 27, 30,000 on, on, on Twitter. And the numbers just, I, I can't even believe how the numbers just keep growing. Like I just blink my eyes and it's another thousand there, or 500 there. And I don't even know what I'm doing other than just being an idiot on the internet. But um, I guess that's why I'm here. I guess that's why you want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, we're, well, we're going to try and figure this out together. Well, I mean, is this a situation of like right place, right time? Well, it was a situation of right place, right time. Uh, what's interesting is that I actually f have a foundation of Disney merchandising fans. Um, I started with uh, a video game called Disney Infinity, which was a toys to life video game that required an entry point of buying physical media in order to play in a digital space. So you'd have to buy physical characters, physical like little uh, like power up discs, and then you would put them on a portal that allowed you to interact with them in, in the real world, in, in the in the video game world. Uh, and so you had a toy that was a cool display but then you also had like a playable thing and so off the bat like my some of my earliest youtube videos are unboxings of disney infinity stuff disney infinity playthroughs gameplay um and like just walking you through like that whole uh a video game that came with a huge merchandising component because disney's disney fans love to collect we love to we love to accumulate the the the, the franchise the brand because being a disney fan at its core is uh consuming you know, because that's what Disney does. It makes material for you to consume, uh, for you to develop a, a personalized relationship with and then have a great deal of ownership of. And then suddenly you need every Winnie the Pooh backpack. You don't wear backpacks, but you need them. And so like, and, and that's just like kind of like the culture because you have to, you know, Disney provides, you know, like this like dictionary of characters, adventures, stories that you can advertise your own personal brand with, even if you're not looking to advertise your brand you see you see like a couple walking around uh dress co cosplaying as the up characters you know that they're hopeless romantics you see you see a character you see you see people super into finding nemo well you know that they want to be a veterinarian one day you know it's just like it's like or maybe not maybe they grew up loving the ocean or maybe they grew up with a fish tank or maybe they grew up going to the dentist a lot whatever their story is they love finding nemo disney offers you a path to like of least resistance to whatever thing you want to tell your story so it's a, an act of, it, it's storytelling, but it's, it's niche where we have just like so many stories that will rate, relate to different people in different ways. Right, 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 right. It's a massive market that covers, that has m tiny little morsels that allow so many people to be seen. And it's, it's, which is, you know, like, it's, it's just so fascinating to see like how, you know, now we're finally diversifying, we're, we're, we're expanding, we're, we're, at, we're adding more stories for more cultures and more places. And it's just like this massive umbrella that, um, where Disney just kind of like owns your nostalgia. It owns your memories. Disney owns our stories. It owns your, yeah. Disney 1000% owns your stories. Yes. So it's a strange thing to think about sometimes. And so you get started as a content creator. So the first thing you're doing is unboxing videos for yeah. First thing I'm doing Disney is I'm, I'm searching. I'm uh, not just for this Disney video game. I'm going through a lot of retail spaces. I'm gathering every one of their weekly deals. Like every Sunday, the the flyers would drop for Best Buy, Toys R Us, you know, uh, Radio Shack. I don't know whatever these companies were. Uh, and I would go through and be like, all right, figures are two for fourteen here. Uh, power up discs are three for ten here. And I would make. I had a website where I just compile all the deals for this very specific niche video game. Um, and then that grew into me making YouTube content and me unboxing the stuff and playing through the game. And then eventually that game went away and I was just left with nothing. I like, was left like with like a debt, like the game got canceled out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, they just stopped making it. And I was just like, oh. Uh, and I had massive growth. Like I remember the first time I made a dollar for on YouTube, like for the day, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. If I make a dollar every day for 30 days, that's like $30, you know? 
And so, um, so like this, I built my brand around this big thing that I had no control over and then it disappeared. And so I was kind of left with like, I don't know, what am I going to do? And so, all right, as a content creator, you're kind of playing in someone else's sandbox. For sure. For sure. I still am in a way. Yeah. They could always send you a cease and desist and be like, look, you're not Disney Dan anymore, buddy. Right. Now, is it Mr. Dan or Sir Disney? Which do we prefer? I mean, it was so, uh, so fascinating, Kurt, and like maybe you're one of the first people that I kind of like, well, you, you are, like I'm, I'm in the midst of a, a mega rebrand. I'm about to shift to Distory Dan uh, as my exclusive brand on everything so I can copyright it and so I can, you know, I can get the blue check marks where I need and all that kind of stuff because Disney, I can't have Disney in, in the name of my brand, you, you know, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in someone else's play sandbox for sure. And so for personal branding, was this intentional where you said, all right, I'm going to pair niche keyword plus first name with a little alliteration in there. Was this intentional or happenstance? <laughs> what's okay. This is what's crazy about it. Facebook, my biggest, my biggest like uh, a group at the time was my Facebook group, which was Disney infinity codes, but dis but Facebook is really tricky about uh, changing the names of something that's already has like a, a foundational base. So for instance, you can't make like, you know, like uh, Sunday school is cool group, have a hundred thousand people join and then turn it into like, we love the devil. You know, like they, like they, like they have rules against that kind of stuff. And so, um, so I had to like submit a change name request to a committee uh, to change my Facebook group that had like 12,000 people in it or something like that to change the name. And uh, one of the clearest paths to doing that was to maintain some of the original name in the uh, in the title and just retool it to something that was like closely related to me. So I'm applying to this on Facebook. My name is clearly Dan Becker, the user uh, making this application. And my group that I'm trying to change the name from Disney Infinity Codes is just a Disney Dan. And that after a lot of back and forth that finally went through, uh, I had to change it to Disney Dan Codes for a while. They're like, no, you can't change more than more than two words at, at the same time. I'm like, uh, 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 okay. And then eventually I was able to remove codes from the end of it. But like, it was just like a, a machine of necessity to like keep, to keep like my brand attached to that Disney infinity group. And then it just snowballed out of control. Once uh, I got on YouTube, we've married Dan into this personal brand. What role does authenticity play here? Like this is the buzzword we hear over and over with content marketing. It's like, it has to be authentic. How much of Dan is in Disney Dan really? Like how much of this is real? Oh my God, Kurt, you know what? Like I talk to my therapist about this all the time because what is authenticity in a space of general audience? Um, because you have to know what your audience is. And, uh, you know, I often feel like Bob Saget from uh, Full House. Uh, uh, you know, he was he was America's dad on Full House. And if you went to see him do stand-up comedy, he was quite he was quite the different character. He was, he was raunchy, he was weird, he was silly. He was not that guy. And I currently feel like Bob on Full House. And so- I have to, uh, but, but uh, so I have to like really manage a lot of my uh, authenticity and like not have some of my craziness come out, but instead lean more on like being a dad of two daughters, being a Disney fan. And so I have to like, you know, I, I really struggle on being like, oh, you can't be authentic all around, but you can be authentic to the specific group. Uh, that you're marketing to or the specific audience that you have. And so while everyone doesn't need to necessarily know how much of a lunatic I am in like my day-to-day -day life uh, and how many bad words I say, um, I, I, I present this, what I believe to be a very authentic version of me that leans more into my joy of, uh, you know, the family community park that is, you know, Disney, that leans more into uh, the, 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 the content that I am covering, which is mostly G, PG, and PG-13 related material. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not leaning into a lot of R-rated stuff. So I try to be authentic to the version of myself that enjoys the content, but I, uh, I, I struggle a lot with, you know, what it means to be fully authentic to your audience and your brand. And I feel like if you're, if you have a personal brand, if you've got like a personal, like, you know, you're a tattoo artist or whatever, and you're making shirts and you're doing cool tattoos and piercings like um, my god be as authentic as humanly possible because you know like the the world is your oyster there's no one <laughs> there's no one editing any of that kind of material you know what i mean but here in my space at least i feel very edited but authentic at the same it, it's a good question and good discussion because where's the line like a lot of advice is hey people want to buy from brands that have their same values and our position yes. is has been like well what those values are are entirely up to you it's yours 
And it, yeah, you are going to, by sharing them, you are going to alienate some people, but that's okay because now the people who agree with you become you know, even bigger fans. Right. Yes. Yes. The people who agree with you, they, they become stronger supporters of you. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's definitely huge. That's so, that's so huge. Right. And I think that that's important. I think just being Disney Dan is such an interesting, this conversation is so fascinating because I have to be aware of what is the generalized acceptable brand appearance for my niche. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a sports guy, so I don't have to be all barstool sports, toxic masculine. Ugh. You know, I don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a fisher. I, I don't like, I don't hunt. So I don't have to like lift weights and like pose and camo and do slow-mos of me shooting a bow and arrow. Like, you like, but I am a Disney fan. So you want to see me go to Disney on ice stuff. You want to see me going to the parks. You want to see me, uh, I don't know, wearing Mickey t-shirts and, you know, eating churros and and making Disney food out of cookbooks at home. Like you want to see me really engage authentically in the brand. Uh, but you don't, you know, some people don't want, they don't want you to go outside of that. But I, but to your point, if you have a niche and that niche has like a, has a already has an established expected brand and persona, I, I like, as long as your own values agree with it, you know, be authentic and lean into those things as best you can. Because the more generalized you can be, the more of an audience you can take in. It sounds like you've got some experience here. How do you handle negative comments or feedback on your content? So much therapy. <laughs> My solution is to ignore it. I often found that the people who uh, wanna speak up and say something hurtful about me or about other people's are usually hurting themselves uh, and usually are in a lot of pain and they're dealing with things. And usually a lot of the stuff that they're dealing with and a lot of the pain that they're feeling is in, on an, an unconscious level. People have a lot of unconscious bias and conscious bias and a lot of their unconscious, you know, internalized fears and angers. And like, it just, it just oozes out of them when they're unregulated and uncomfortable. And I'm a little bit of an asshole. So I don't have any problem laughing at them being like, Ha, 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 you have feelings inside that you can't get out. <laughs> but, but I can get my feelings out and that makes me feel sad for you. So that's how I handle it. Um, because people tend to shut up when they uh, realize that someone sees them for being so damaged and hurt. Uh, but some people, <laughs> but some people don't. But what I do is I, I, I work really hard not to internalize and I throw them in a bucket of, oh, you're hurt. And then I will leave them alone. But then if they keep going, I'll be like, all right, let's talk about how hurt you are, but I'm going to be silly. I'm, I mean, you're, you're poking a silly weirdo uh, and telling him that he's wrong. Just be careful. You don't know what's going to come out of that silly weirdo when he fights back. <laughs> but the best, but the best, but to your point, Kurt, the best, the best is just not engage. You know, you, you, you're running a, you're, you're running like a sticker store or something. You're not a, you're not a full-time comedian who has like, who's like, who's like literal hobby it is, is to build up chops talking to lunatics. So if someone's going to be all harsh and negative to you, they are literally screaming out, I'm, I am uncomfortable. I am in pain. I am hurting. I am sad. I am anxious, but I don't know that. And so all I know how to do is hate. All I know how to do is vocalize externally that I'm not comfortable with something because something inside me is uncomfortable and I don't know how to deal with that. All I'm saying is that when people are unhappy on the internet, they're not okay. Like they're, and they're searching for attention. They're reaching out They're And it's really hard to contextualize people like that, but it's the truth for every single one of them. It's hard to pity people who are mean, but you should pity them is what you should do. Also, like the people who are getting mad about Disney stuff, you need better problems, <laughs> truly. Well, but Kurt, like I said, we all own Disney. Disney owns us, and so we own Disney. What we believe our experiences to be, our authentic experiences with the products Disney has made, we have incredible ownership of. And so when something goes wrong with it that, that doesn't align with our worldview, oh my gosh, people really lose it. You... You were you had a channel that was going. You had an audience. You have to pivot because Disney mm -hmm. said, "Look, that product you were building on—that's not a thing anymore. It's the danger of playing in someone else's sandbox. Acceptable risk." So you switch to Disney parks. No, there's actually one more step in between. I switched. Uh, I switched to a wide swath of Disney Digital. 
anything Disney digital I'll touch into and I, and I will engage in uh, Disney mobile games, Disney, like, you know, Disney, like online MMO, like whatever Disney's doing that was in a digital space. Uh, like uh, I would jump in like, Oh my Disney, all those kinds of things. Disney crossy road was like my biggest one. And so I just started making content adjacent to my original content to continue spreading that net open. Cause I'm like, Oh, well, if you like Disney, if you like Disney video games and you like spending money on Disney video games, I'm certain you probably also like Disney mobile games that are free to play that you also drop money into to collect all your characters inside that game. And it turned out to be true. It turned out to be 1000% true is that Disney collectors are collectors at their heart. And so uh, that translated one-to-one. -one. Uh, and then I started to realize that, um, uh, one of the big things uh, universally about like me that I really loved and I loved collecting were like all those character meet and greet experiences as a kid. And I started realizing, Oh, theme park is just an extension of Disney merchandising. It's an extension of, Oh, I'm a Disney fan. Oh, I'm going to give money to receive Disney joy. That's what the, like, that's what Disney infinity was. It's what Disney pre premium games were. It's what Disney parks are. It's a pay to play. It's a pay to joy is what it is. And so I just kind of continued down that path. And uh, I realized um, that there was a little bit of a niche developing with uh, theme park history videos. And I'm like, well, no one's talking about the stuff I like, so I'll I'll talk about the stuff I like. It turns out other people like to listen to that stuff, <laughs> like costume characters specifically. I'm so tired of losing revenue. Ah! Are you tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences? Ooh. Of course you are. Did you know that anonymous shoppers who visit your store on their phones can't receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? <gasps> Pop quiz. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, and Blendjet have in common? They all turn to retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim lost revenue. It's money falling from the sky. With retention.com's reclaim solution, you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your SMS and email flow revenue by up to 10 times. We I'm 10xing our list, okay? Like 10x. Like I'm not even joking. Onboarding is quick and easy, and implementation takes just hours, not months. Plus, retention.com's flexible pricing is based purely on incremental performance, so you only pay for what you get. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. How much research goes into deciding? Or are you just like, this is the thing I'm going to try. Let's make one video and see what happens. Um, at the point in time in which I had made um, the Disney park history video, I was making things like Disney Marvel and Disney and Star Wars had just partnered up with Loot Crate. And so tons of Loot Crates were full of Disney stuff. So I was doing Loot Crate reviews and I was doing like, I was just trying to get anything that was Disney ad merchandise adjacent, like on board. And so I just, I was like, ah, it's insane how I made the video. I literally went into I, iMovie on my laptop and just made a glorified slideshow. It was it was essentially a PowerPoint. There was one video clip in it. Otherwise, it was just photos, slowly Ken burnings in or out. It was just Ken burn in, Ken burn out, <laughs> Ken burn left, Ken burn right. And it was just photos of Mickey Mouse. And then you're gonna, this is the most insane thing I've ever done. I, um, I didn't have a script or anything like that. So iMovie had this ability that you could record, you could dub over video that you're watching. In the corner, there was just a red record button. So I would click it. it catch on three two one and the video would start and then i would try my best to do a clean 18 minute take of me talking through this presentation and i would mess up all the time and with i would no stop script with no script i was just improving. it's still how i make videos today i don't write scripts i just write outlines and then i just improv like all the bits in between um and so uh I, it probably took me like seven or eight times to finally get all the way through it without making a mistake and then I uploaded it and it turned and it got, it was huge. It got huge. It like websites picked it up and all kinds of people started watching it. And it continues so you, to be my most viewed video I have to this day. So you go through the effort. You're like, I'm just going to see what happens here. Cause no, I see this, a similar genre of video. It's yeah, I'm watching the Funkland. I'm, I'm watching Yesterworld. I'm watching bright sun films. They're talking about big, pop culture, cultural touchstone things that we all have in our hearts and uh, that have gone away or, uh, or, or that we don't remember. And then, and then I, you know, I peel that back, you know?
I well, I think there's a lot of wisdom and magic in that and saying like let look at these cultural touchstones to immediately have a a point of reference that makes you relatable to the audience. And it's an SEO play. It's a thing that people are looking for. And so like yeah. you go about making this video in all the wrong ways, right? It's like a slideshow that you dub yep. over with yep. an, a monologue, an improv monologue, and then get what? A hundred thousand? Views? I mean, what? Yeah, yeah. I used to be excited if a video would get like a thousand, ten thousand views, like be you know, in the first month. You know what I mean? I would be like, yeah, it's a successful. And then that thing just didn't stop. And then like a couple Disney websites picked it up and did articles about it. And then boom, it was a million. It was just a million. And subscribers were just pouring in, like just pouring in. And I was just like, I don't know what to do now. Like I didn't know what to do. And so for a long time, my YouTube channel had a big identity crisis for at least two years, I think, where I was making video game content. I was making theme park content. I was making merchandise content. I was make, I was just like, I was making content in any corner that I could. And maybe one out of 10 things would pop off and get views, you know? And so there was, there's a, a trial and error approach, a shotgun approach there. Yes, very much so. One of the things I've always wondered from other content creators is like, I'm terrible at predicting which episodes will and won't be big. Like the one, often the ones that are my favorites, no one cares yes. about. Yes. And the ones that are like, yes. I'm like, well, that's a throwaway. Do we even publish it? People are like, that's the best thing I've heard in six months. <laughs> like, I'm terrible at it. Okay. I'm, so I think that, you know, the takeaway there is like, all right, even if you hate it or you're like, look, this is like soggy and gross and limp and I don't love it you still should probably just ship it and see what happens. Yes. Yeah. I've often, I've actually learned to stop perfecting, which is maybe not a good advice for people who are running stores and stuff for like, Oh, my product it's, it's almost there. Ah, let's just sell it. Ah, that's not, it's not digital goods. Aren't the same, but um, <laughs> make sure your, your physical goods are great, but, um, <laughs> and that you no, love them. You it. can stand by them, but like, uh, but digital media exists in a way, specifically social media. Let me say, because I on YouTube have inadvertently stumbled into making uh, 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 consistent evergreen content. Uh, but social media is a really great place where just make, make it and dump it, post it and dump it, po post it and dump it, post it like just because it will be gone. Even if it's good, if it's bad, if you piss people off, if you don't, if people love it or they don't, in five days, they're not even going to remember the thing you made. You know what I mean? Like, because they will have consumed another 30,000 pieces of media between you and between your five second, you know, <laughs> you know, TikTok to, uh, to what, where they're at now. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, and the chances of you making something silly that you don't even have the context for how great it is, uh, and then posting it, the audience will find it, man. If it's good, if it's good, your audience will find it. I love it's freeing advice. And it's true. Like I think people won't post publish ship, send things because they're fearful of the reaction and like, well, this will just, you know, if I send this, this ends my career. And the reality is like the most screwed up thing you could do. Kind of, I mean, it's going to disappear in 48 hours tops anyway in most right, cases right 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 and failure is good failure highlights what you shouldn't do anymore you know and so like and if you don't have that awareness start like do it do and then do and then do and then do and then gather and make sure you look back at what you've done you know just because the instagram stories have all disappeared and you know and the tiktoks are now buried you still have access to your analytics you can see what people clicked on what people didn't you know like and and there's no one watching you like there's no even me even me there's no super i don't have a supervisor i don't have somebody who's just like oh you shouldn't be doing this or you should do this or you should do this or you should do this differently and so you know just spreading your wings and you know blowing the dandelion of content out into the world of you you know just just take a deep breath and push you know and get it out there and then go to the next thing you know Such because twiddling your thumbs and stewing on something is time you're wasting on the next great thing you're gonna make man that's even like that's advice i need to hear right now in my personal <laughs> life <laughs> appreciate you disney dan don't let perfect get in the way of good is something that my girlfriend says to me all the time. Don't let perfect get in the way of, of good. Don't let perfect get in the way of done. Perfect is the enemy of good, I think is the Voltaire quote. And it's 
but it always it becomes perfect as the enemy of done. All right, there's a, a delightful saying we have in our office and home, the content hole must be filled. The catch yes. to cr- content marketing is like, wow, I got this video, shit, no one cared. And I post, 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 and I get one that's successful. And now I have this evergreen video out there. The problem is that's not enough. I gotta keep going. For me, you know, I'm closing in on 500 episodes here. And you know, every three months I go, I think I just figured out what I'm doing. So there's the advantage of that practice. That's, I'm the same way, Kurt, I'm the same you way. You just gotta keep publishing. The tough part, especially for you, like for me, I, I interview people, it's a skill, you know, sit down, I could bang out 10 questions pretty easily, and then have a conversation. That's an easier content format than what you're doing. And an easier content format that I think you know, a lot of e-commerce brands are gonna be able to do. So how do you keep coming up with ideas for new videos? Consumption. I guess is the only is the best answer for that is that I uh, my girlfriend is amazing and she used to be a, a, a magazine editor and and before back when magazines existed um, they don't anymore uh, especially <laughs> jobs working on magazines those definitely don't exist uh, and so um, but one of the things that she would do the beginning of her day every day was read five magazines. Uh, and, and, and like, and consume what other people are doing, not, and, and I, and what's so, we'll, we'll get, to, I, I've been on such a journey with this where I have stopped doing it. I start doing it and I stop doing it, uh, because I'm paranoid that I'm absorbing the wrong and I'm just copying yeah, instead of creating, but, uh, but in, in reality, everything is a copy of something else. Everything, nothing is original. There are only five magic tricks and three stories, you know, like, like, and everything is just an iteration of those things. Everything so is there a really remix. is like, everything is a, exactly, nothing is original. Everything is a remix. So forgive yourself, forgive yourself that you've copied because you've already done it. You already, you will do it. You've done it. You'll do it again, but it's not, but, but you, but, you have your authentic voice, you have your authentic style, your authentic vision. And so you consuming and bringing in a lot of stuff and then letting it stew around in that bubble, bubble, toil and trouble of your brain, like, you know, like some interesting potions are going to come out that aren't the original thing. They might look a little bit like the original thing, smell like the original thing, taste like the original thing, but they won't be the original thing. And, and you will have iterated and grown and then you'll be off to the next thing. You know, so consuming is like, I think the, the biggest task to consumption and community. Let me make it two things. Consumption and community engage and know the community that you're in and continue to consume the products that your community puts out. And those two things will help you understand what the community wants from you and what the community is and what the content is doing successfully, you know, and then you just, just allow those things, just draw dots, draw lines between those two sides of your mind, you know, and, and connect things like, like, you know, like a placemat in a diner, you know, like kids placemats have like the, what, you know, what silhouette matches up with the the character on the other side of the page. Uh, people who have kids probably get this people who don't, I don't, maybe not. Hey, but you're dinking. So you're doing pretty good. You know? So if you don't get this analogy tough, but there, you know, it's just draw the lines, you know, <laughs> like make the connections between, you know, and it requires multitasking. And I know they say we can't do that. And maybe because I have ADD, I'm better at it. But like, it's all about drawing connections. It's about making, it's string theory. It's about making webs where there weren't before. It's about connecting things that haven't been. How much content do you produce and do you have any free time at all? <sighs> I'm plagued with free time. I'm, I'm, I, 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 have a, I have a pretty bad anxiety disorder, so I get locked into myself a lot. Uh, and I kind of don't have the ability to do. Uh, and then I stew for a long time in that. And then I break away from it. And then I will have, and I'm lucky because I'm a YouTuber. So I can, in theory, and I have an amazing editor and producer, Kenny. He's, he's amazing. Uh, and so I can, in theory, work for a week, a month, and make, write three, four videos, sit down with Kenny over a couple of days, record all the raw footage, hand him my scripts, hand him the reference, and, and then I can spend the rest of the month off doing whatever I'm doing. And I guess I ultimately do that in a way, but I get, it's back to that consumption thing. Then I get to start watching things and, and, and absorbing things and, you know, taking things in. But I try to get at least two, three videos out a month is a hard rule for me. I try to make at least 40 to 60 minutes of content a month for YouTube. Okay. That's what I try. And so if I'm putting that process together, it's like there's three weeks of, of Dan cruising YouTube and social media, and you're hoping for ideas, you're jotting ideas down. 
once we've got some ideas, those become outlines and then. Yeah, those become Google Slides, yep. Okay, and then you've got three, four ideas of Google Slides. You sit down, you have, uh, you've got a guy, you've got Kenny, who's gonna work with you to film it, edit it, direct, produce. And so he films you monologuing through these outlines and then you add like all the B-roll over it and that's kind of our, you got our it. format. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that makes it sound very easy, but if someone watches one of your videos, there's so much that goes into it. They wouldn't, they would never know. They would never know. And you know, like Kenny has an artistic voice that he puts on the videos in his editing that I really appreciate. And fans are, my fans are becoming fans of Kenny because Kenny is a character that exists in my videos um, as an editor. And it's kind of, it's, it's really cool and fun, but um, I will spend, I will spend like, you know, three to four days just um, like writing like a concept, like finding a thing. And the thing that I, I've kind of left out of this process is like, when I decide I'm going to do a video on the history of X, I will consume the full history of that thing, like three or four times, three or four times. So it's just in my head. Like it just lives in my head, like all that content's there. So that when I then turn around and go to give like a college professor lecture on it out of nowhere, it's all, all the information's there. And occasionally we need to do a pickup or I forgot this or that, but ultimately it's all just there. And then I just brain dump it, you know, onto, onto the table. Uh, and then, uh, but each video, I would say, yes, it has like a, uh, like a, like a week of prep and then, it, and then we film and then it's often Kenny's hands. And then I don't really come back around to touch it until I'm thinking about the YouTube title and thumbnail uh, once Tanny's done producing it. And so you're the one who did, you like, you write your, the, you upload it to YouTube and put the description and that stuff into it. Yep. 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 I, I put the thumbnail, the title, I write the description, you know, all that kind of nonsense. Do you, certainly you've got experience here. Any tips on, you know, what helps to drive click-through rate you know, some of the, the tactical stuff on YouTube success. Boy, click-through rate is interesting. I think about it all the time. It gives me metrics of it. And my click-through rate, what do you think my click-through rate is on a thumbnail? Uh, I'm going to arbitrarily guess 8%. I made this number up. That's close. That's close. It averages between 4 and 7% oh, okay. um, on my click-through rate. Uh, and almost all of my content is found through browse feature. Hmm. And, uh, and, and, and people aren't, I, while I have maybe, I'd say 20% of my views come from subscribers. That's probably more now, probably 30% now. Uh, the other 70% come exclusively from people just bored scrolling YouTube and then they see something. And so my click through rate, I, the click through, I do a couple things to mess with it. I will not be settled on a, on a, um, on a title of a, of a, um, of a video or a thumbnail of a video until it has at least 50,000 views. Like oh. if I'm seeing, if I'm not seeing, if I'm not seeing progressive enough growth, um, I will go back in and I will change the thumbnail. I will tweak the title. I will rewrite the first 140 characters of the description of the video to try to find more, uh, buzzworthy or correct SEO terms that will, uh, link, you know, get that click through, get in front of the right eyes. Uh, but, but the biggest thing, and I wish YouTube would do it. And Netflix does this. Netflix is the king of doing this is with the, with, with the AB approach. So you're scrolling through Netflix and you don't know what to watch and you're going to scroll past, you know, like, you know, St. Johnny's murders and uh, uh, Billy got murdered and <gasps> all these ladies got murdered and this grandpa got murdered. And if you don't click on any of those things, Netflix knows you didn't click on those things. So the next time you come to visit, Billy got murdered, grandpa got murdered, these ladies, all those murder videos all have a different thumbnail now. They all have a different still. I have probably, I, I am a big fan of Shrek the musical. It's on Netflix. I have it saved in my favorites. And so every time I, I, it was one of the, it's the first thing I put on my favorites list back when I got a Netflix digital account. And so it's always on my list as the first thumbnail. And I have probably seen in the amount of time I've used Netflix over the past like two, three years, um, uh, that Shrek the musical has had at least a dozen different thumbnails on Netflix alone just because you never know what right combination of colors and words and shapes are going to, is going to be the thing that causes that person to click. You don't know. And if, and if you're not getting the clicks, change it. 
you know, and that, you know, so I do, I changed my titles. I changed my thumbnails. I'm, I, I wish YouTube would allow me to upload two thumbnails that if someone already scrolls by the video once it would switch to the B thumbnail for the next time they scroll through. That's a pretty good feature request. I like that. I've noticed that Netflix does that flips through them, but I never had never bothered to research it psychological tool so like on your shopify i mean here's a great example on your shopify if you're not getting the click-throughs on the product make a make a better splash image you know make a better thing you know like because people are just going to scroll by it and this will like this unlike youtube we have the tools to do these things right you guys do yeah 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 Struggling to get your Shopify store off the ground? Okay, man, let's turn it on. Get started faster with Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is a one-of-a-kind landing page builder created by the founder of a $170 million Shopify store. Their impressive library of templates includes every page you need to launch a high-converting Shopify store more quickly and for a lot more profit. You could use it to customize your product pages, category pages, blog pages, even your homepage. So you could beat the competition and make a lot more sales. And since every template is tested on a $170 million Shopify store, you know they actually work. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,000 Shopify merchants. Go to zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T to start your free trial today. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help, and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. I feel the need, the need for speed. What you, you've got your video, it's up there, it's, people are hitting it. How do we promote it, right? You, you, some process of revision using that all-important metric click-through rate, where you're like, you have a sense of, you know, if it's below 4%, this isn't working, and start tweaking. But oh, this is good. This is good. How do we promote it? How do you promote we make it? The, we make the audience aware of the idea from the moments of its the, from the moment of its inception. Oh, so you're hyping it in pre few, in past videos? No, nope, nope. But we're using our social media. Well, yes, a yes. There will be teases for future videos in videos all the time. I'm like, and I engage. I'm like, do you guys want this? Leave a comment. Let me know if you want this video. And you, and I will. And then I'll, I'll make that, I'll make that thing. But to say, like, okay, I'm gonna, re I'm making an hour long Figment documentary. So for the follow, for the for the two months that lead up to it, as I'm researching Figment, I'm gonna share almost everything I'm gonna put in this video on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, in some way or another. This fun fact I learned, this thing I found, that I'm looking for this, I'm, I'm currently designing this. Like I'm letting the audience know that I'm working on something so that by the time the product comes out, the anticipation's there for whatever I'm about to release. Like, cause the people who are gonna, who want this figment thing, now they're waiting for it. They're looking for it. They're, 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 they're waiting for me to drop it so that they can click on it as soon as possible. And so to promote it in a big way is, um, is to let people know that it's happening before it even happens. Uh, and then when it comes out, I have a, I have a, a social media guy who will uh, post things. I find that carousels work better than just a single image or reel on Instagram because uh, Instagram's feeds, if you don't have a strong enough internet connection, Instagram, when, as you're scrolling through it, will repopulate the same carousel back into your home feed just on a different slide. Oh, that's very clever from, of them and of you to figure that out as a marketing tactic. Right. Yeah. So like if I, but if I just have a static single image saying new video today um, and people scroll past it, well, that, that post is gone now. They didn't engage with it. But if it's, I've, I have had my, I personally have had Instagram give me the third or fourth slide. That's how many times I've scrolled past, like I've scrolled past the same thing and like, it's, but it's regenerated back into the home feed because other people are engaging with it. And it wants me to, it wants me to engage with this thing. The, that's good advice. The other way I have seen you both, uh, cross pollinate, you know, promote your stuff and, uh, monetize your stuff is through collabs and for yeah. an e-commerce, uh, merchant, very likely that in your career in the near future, you will have to reach out to, or be contacted by a content creator. And so who's doing Who's reaching out here? Are you reaching out to people to work with? Or are they reaching out to you? And what does a good pitch look like? 
So there are some, uh, I have a, I have an agency now, uh, that handles all my ad placements in my videos for ad, ad collaborations. Um, and I really, I mean, it's hard to pick and choose when you're small, uh, and you're still getting eyes on you. And I still consider myself small potatoes on YouTube. Um, I don't, I won't consider myself legitimate until I get like 500,000 subscribers like in order to be like no i want this like when i respond like when i'm in conversations i i know my place in terms of like what i can offer and how i can offer it um but i reach out to brands all the time i reach out to brands i like all the time i am shameless in that what's the worst that's going to happen they're going to say no uh okay so you don't have an influencer program you don't have a you don't have an affiliate program you don't you don't you don't have any product to send me Okay, I just want to let you know that, and I and I start every communication and every bit with like, "Hey, I am crazy about this. I will share and engage with their with the with that brand's content and material leading up to me. I don't cold call anybody. I make sure that they see me in their in their notifications. I make sure that they know that I'm I'm hitting their the like the heart buttons on their stuff. I'm I'm sharing their things on my story. I'm like, oh, check out this cool print, this cool design, so that when I finally circle back around to D, to slide into their DMs on Instagram, they've had they they can scroll up and see twelve times I've mentioned them in my story, and they can they they've seen all the times I've hearted on their, on their content. And so they know that I'm not just somebody who's just appeared out of nowhere looking for something from them. Um, cause I, I, not, I cannot stand the cold email from agencies and firms that are like, Hey, I just, it's like, it's just a blank form. And it has like a, a spot where they put it in the most recent YouTube video you've released. Like the font doesn't match. I loved it when you said, yeah, I, I love going to, I love going to theme park. And it's just like, you didn't watch that video. I know you didn't watch that video. Uh, and so I find that, uh, they'd be better off if they just went like, Hey, I didn't watch any of your stuff, but like, clearly you have an audience and you seem interesting. That would be yep, a better approach. I, I would, I would respect that so much more. Um, and then I also have to remember that on the other side of these brands is just a human. It's just their social media manager. It's just their, it's just their, whatever it is for that company. It could be someone who's wearing seven hats. It could be the social media manager, copywriter, you know, HR person. You don't know, but I, but I really, really understand that on the other side of that DM is a person who's writing it. And so even if they say no, I still say, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Even if they give me a copy and pasted response, I'm like, Ooh, I like this. I like this standard response. Make sure the copywriter who wrote this knows that it's really polished. It looks good because like, even a negative experience doesn't have to be a negative experience because it can circle back around eventually. You never know. You never know. Well, I, that's all good advice. I, so you run sponsored commercials in your video. Like I watch your video and you'll be like, hey, this mm -hmm. one's brought to you by, you know, Magic Candle Squarespace. Company. Squarespace. Magic Candle Company, Blue Land. Yep, all the things. Yep. Okay. Um, and you, pre it works because you present it. it it's, ho I call my ads host red. They're, it's host read. You like you. It's not you that mm -hmm. stick their content in. It's your content for them, which I think adds yeah. a lot of authenticity and helps it feel um, less interruptive. How do you? I think the the fear that the people have is balancing it. How do you balance that non sales content and the sale content? I always try to make fun of the sales content in my main content. Um, I try to find something niche or weird or different about the content, uh, about what, like, I'm trying to think here. Oh, uh, a wine company reached out to me recently and they're like, we really want to sponsor you uh, with our wine, with our wine sales. And I'm like, do you understand my brand? Do you understand anything about me? Uh, hey, I've been to food I and am... wine festival at Epcot right. and that's well, like the they, drunkest thing I've ever they're... seen. But right, they've pushed, they push, they push. And so I'm like, okay, if you want to sponsor me, I cannot stick a wine sales ad in the middle of the evolution of Winnie the Pooh. Just won't make any sense. But I will go to Epcot and I will do something stupid in the confines of Epcot and then pair that with a wine ad because the context of the, of the content allows the, the ads to not feel out of place. You know, it doesn't feel weird. You know what I mean? If you cut to me at a restaurant in Epcot drinking a glass of wine and being like, ha, 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 oh, wine, you know, like <laughs> and, and it suddenly doesn't feel so abrupt, you know? And so I try to, uh, you know, like I try to, and it's hard and it's not always doable, not always doable at all. Um, but when possible, I try very hard to like, um, and then also make, I also try to make the ad read content itself. 
Um, like the ad reads going to be the ad read, but I'm going to have at least two jokes put in there that are making fun of myself in the middle of the ad read. And if you like me, then you should be, you, you're still going to watch the ad read because I'm still being silly and weird inside of it. You don't have to skip it. So, you know, my ads, sometimes you, you can see in the net, in the analytics, like when my ads playing like 20 to 30 people just dip out and fast forward. But a, a, a bunch of the audience will just pers per, per, uh, persist through because it's still me doing it. It's still me. And I'm not just like this, video was brought to you by this and I'm going to give you a boring 60 seconds. I make it weird. I make it fun. At least I try to. I like that advice. Really. It's like, as long as it, it, again, it goes back to authenticity, but it's like, as long as it, it works within context, uh, that it, it still is your brand voice, then you shouldn't have an issue with it. And the people who want to skip it are going to skip it and they, but they still like you. Right, 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 right. It's a, a great example of it. And I'm almost, I almost don't want to talk about it, but I will is established titles. Remember that company uh, that like got huge flack a couple months ago. Cause people were like, you and you buy this, you're not really a Lord in Scotland, you know? <laughs> no, I'm not familiar uh, and, like, with this. Okay. So there's a company that allows you to buy a plot of land in Scotland. Then you can call yourself a Lord. Like you can literally put on your plane tickets and like your driver's license. Did you, you do want. this? Are you Lord you Dan? Technically I am. I have the placard around here somewhere. But I, they, they, I didn't buy it myself. That was part of the sponsorship deal. But I, but, but then slowly it came out. People were like, this is a scam. You're not really a Scottish Lord. <laughs> this is, we're going to unmask established titles. And a lot of content creators got in trouble for partnering with them and whatnot. Uh, I didn't, because if you watch my ad, you know that it's all a joke to begin with. You know that it's all a bit. It's like buying a star back in the 90s. Like, no one thought they were actually buying a star, you know? Like, and anybody who advertised it as, like, you honestly being able to have ownership of a star, like the naming rights of a star, those people were idiots. And I don't try to, I don't try to, I'm not a snake oil salesman. If you, I'm like, I'm marching around my parking lot holding a, holding a Lord of the Rings sword, uh, uh, getting knighted uh, by the highway out back of my apartment complex. You can hear that, you can see the car zooming in, and my buddy's like knighting me like i didn't take the ad seriously because it was because i took the tone of the product and i carried it through the ad spot and it's not a serious product it's a gag gift it's always been a gag gift no one ever thought that they were honestly a lord that deserved a crown or a ring or whatever the heck any of that happens or comes along with it it was a gag and so i knew that and i treated it as such so i think it's important to to treat the context of the ad you know, like, like, like be authentic to the con like the content, like be authentic to the audience, like understand your audience and make sure that that's what they, they're going to, they're going to respond to this thing. Well, you know, and, and, and then it's right space. The, so you're, you're big enough now. It's, I have to imagine if you go to the parks, to, to Disney world and you're filming there, there's no way you could do that without people recognizing you. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not just Disney Parks anymore actually. It's kind of gotten out of control. Whoa. Okay. So it's my it's my hometown now, so it's crazy. What are some of the common misconceptions people have about being a, a content creator? Are they like why do the the doors on your car not go up? They just assume you're like uh, you just get immediately handed a plaque from YouTube and a million dollars? The common misconception is that I am not Disney Dan. Disney Dan is a character. Disney Dan is a persona. You're talking to Disney Dan right now. You are talking to Dan Becker because, you know, we're having an, an honest, authentic conversation. But Disney Dan is here, present with you in the room. He's possessed. I'm possessed by him, you know, like Beetlejuice, you know, in a way. <laughs> and people, um, and God, this has really affected my mental health in, in, in like a big, broader sense, in that like the expectation for me to be my video character is prevalent. People see me and they're like, and and this is where vlogging, like where, where I kind of have a hard line against be called a vlogger because vloggers really develop that parasocial relationship where they're really like, this is me, this is all me, everything, you're seeing my real life. 
And it is so not the case. So not who they actually are. It's a manufactured persona they're presenting to you on the vlog. And, um, and so I guess that is a big, I guess that is the biggest misconception is that, but I, but to clarify, I am not unhappy to take a photo to like give someone a high five, to learn their name, to apologize for constantly screaming in their living room. Uh, you know, like, like I'm not, I'm, I love it because those people are the, are the reason why I'm successful. Like I don't have a problem with, with an audience whatsoever. Come up to me as long as I'm not like, you know, eating with my kid, like my kids, it means a hard boundary. Like if I'm having time with my family, like leave me alone. But like, if it's just me, if you see me roaming around like a dope, by all means attack me because like, and say hi and get a picture and, you know, because like, I love it. I love it. I love it. I, but I, I am not Disney Dan, I guess is the biggest misconception is people think that I am that. When you get on camera, when you get in front of a mic, it really, it compresses your life force, right? Like you have to be, mm -hmm. the advice I got years ago was like, Man, you got to be 10% more you for the, all, the final recording to just sound like normal mm -hmm. you. And very yep. quickly you figure that out and then you get better at it over time. Uh, but really it's like, you know, you're, it's a, it's a persona. It, it based in part on you, you know, cause that's where it starts. That's where it comes from. And then, but you're doing shtick. All right. Mr. Distory Dan Becker coming to the end of our time together. I want to know what advice do you have for people who they're just starting out creating content, you know, posted podcasts or, or videos I already have this locked and loaded. I give this advice all the time. Let's hear it. Your opinion is worthless <gasps> without substance. You need to build trust in your brand before you can branch out into, a, into thrusting your opinion forward. You have to educate the audience in a way that they trust you. You don't walk into the first day of class and trust the teacher in the same way you do the last day of class as you're leaving. And a lot of people, they start their content creation path thinking that it's the last day of class, but it's the first day of class. People don't know you. They don't know anything about you. And more importantly, they don't care, which is the, which is the, which is the harder to swallow pill is that people just don't care unless you give them a reason to care. And the best way to do that is to find something, something specific, something so ungodly specific that no one else has thought about it, and then start to educate people on that thing. Because what it does is it 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 drives the 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 stake for your great big circus tent of content. It makes a foundation. It's like it's it proves that you have a wealth of of factual, grounded well-researched and, uh, you know, a uh, 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 knowledge on an interesting topic that people can rely that when they hear your voice about that topic, it's, it's pretty true. And then once they learn that you are an expert on something, then you can divert and begin to expand and explore and create. But it's important to build that foundation of trust with, with at least the very core of your audience with some, useful, actual meaningful content and not just like, oh, the new trailer dropped. Here's what I think. Ha ha ha. Or, oh, here's a new smoothie. I'm going to sip it. Here's what I think. Ha ha ha. I don't care. Build a channel that takes me through the entire history of every smoothie that's ever been blended and why smoothies were smoothies and, and where smoothies took off and, and who is the most famous person to drink a smoothie first and why are we all drinking smoothies now and what's the most expensive smoothie you can get and what's the most expensive smoothie ingredients and where's the coolest place to go and drink a smoothie. Like if you, if everyone, if every, if you have been, if you are the smoothie guy and everyone knows that, you know, everything about smoothies, then you can go to Epcot and go, uh, smoothie. <laughs> Here's what I think. And people actually now have a reason to listen to you. God, that's fantastic advice. It's really, it was like, Hey, you got to walk before you can run. So you think, yeah. And so many people want to just start running. You know, when you see the end result and you haven't made the product, I could see where you'd make that mistake for, I think the other one is the inverse of this is, Hey, don't get so caught up in giving yourself permission. Cause earlier the vice was like, Oh man, just publish it. Just hit send. But he, all right. So I think the, the re, the answer lies somewhere in the middle there. So I want, yeah, yeah for sure. I need this niche thing that I'm passionate about. I got to go deep on it and I got to research it. I got to put that together. 
establish my authority by educating people on this thing that I care deeply about. Exactly. Establishing authority is a great way to say it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Disney Dan, I've got to watch some Dan videos here. Where, where could people go to learn more about you? You can head on over to thedisneydan.com to find all of my links and information. And you can find me across all of the holy social medias, such as Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, uh, YouTube. Just type in Disney Dan. Like, comment, it's subscribe. My number one, it, it's my number one analytic search term uh, thing. People, it astonishes me that people search for Disney Dan as much as they do. <laughs> we'll, we'll end it there. Dan, Distory Dan, Disney Dan, Dan Becker. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kurt. It's been amazing. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do you want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.